Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Howie P. was recorded on November 25th, 2021. Thank you. Thank you for um, honoring me with, with Sharon again. I found it interesting that when Jen had contacted me a few weeks ago in regards to speaking again on Thanksgiving, November 25th, I thought back 30, 37 years ago, um, I had just left a treatment center for codependency inner child work. And I was home for Thanksgiving, so I must have left somewhere around the middle of November. <clears throat> There's a, a great talk on um, YouTube, Father Juniper, ACA, or type in ACA Father Juniper. And he talks about his recovery, particularly in ACA. And he made this statement and he states, he said, AA saved his liver and ACA has saved his soul. And that's my story. That's my story. I was clean and sober for two years, going to my NA meetings and my middle child was put into a drug program and during one of the visits for family night, and the two therapists, I, I call them, they have since passed away. A lot of people have passed away with all the years I've been in the program. Um, they had come back from a workshop with something new called codependency. And, and there was these initials called ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. So on the chalkboard, they did a circle within a circle. And the outside of the circle talked about um, material, professionalism, um, control, power, all this outside stuff. And inside the circle, they had written low self-esteem, low self-worth, um, inadequacy. And being egotistical I thought they were talking about me I thought that was the only, they were talking only to me not to I think there might have been like maybe eight or ten kids so with, with two parents so there must have been about maybe 16 20 people there and I thought they were talking to me and and it really hit me it really hit me <clears throat> and I went up to one of them and I said what do I do you guys are talking about me no this is just in general this is what we learned what do I do? I, I know I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being this little eight-year-old boy that stopped growing emotionally. I'm a believer from my history that when I stopped growing emotionally because of the drama and the chaos and the trauma and the abuse that had started, that's where I, I shut everything down. And I picked up my first drug of choice called sadness. And I stayed with sadness for many years. 
So they said, well, there's a program starting in one of the hospitals um, not far up. I got a clean and sober in Orlando. And this is up in the Tampa Bay area where they had this. So I went. And, and I realized, how did I stop using my chemicals? Because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of what the chemicals were doing to me. They were destroying me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And two years later, when um, these therapists had given me this information and I had chose to go to this treatment center, I said to myself, I've hit another bottom. I know my childhood issues are going to kill me. I, I know I've, I've seen people my age at that time, I think I was like 42, 43 years old. Guys my age were having heart attacks because they were destroying themselves. They became workaholics. They, they were striving so much to try to fill in that, that empty void. And I also was dying from uh, emotional trauma. So I, I went to this treatment center, very, very open to, because I hit this emotional bottom. I call it rock bottom, just like with my other drug. My chemical rock bottom, my codependency my rock bottom, my ACO8 rock bottom. And I started to learn about myself. And because of Thanksgiving, I, I saw on, on August uh, 1st, they talk about gratitude. It says, on this day, I'm aware of the wonderful gifts that appear when I need them. And I'm going to talk about the promises in a little bit. So my past is very simple. I'm the oldest of three boys. Um, I was a superhero at home. I was a lost child and clown in school. Looking, desperate looking for validation. Desperately looking for my father to approve of me, which never happened. Looking for my mom to listen to me because I was in a lot of pain. Long story short is the issues that I had with my dad, you know, in one of the other readings, I think it was just the other day on abuse, it talks about the deeds and creeds created our false self. So these D's and Crees that overtly, which means loud, came from my dad. You're stupid. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're dumb. You're a liar or a cheat. No self-worth. You barely make it out of high school. And I ran with those words for many, many, many years. But on the outside, everything looked cool. Everything, I was a professional. I had, had, had the bells and whistles. And it's only been the past couple of years. That's what I love about keep coming back because as many years, as many six meetings in a row that I haven't gone to, live meetings, you know, because of Zoom the past year, year and a half, still with live meetings, I learn about myself. I, I stay teachable. I don't, live, I don't live on yesterday's recovery. I learned that in the other fellowship too. So a couple of years ago, I realized by somebody sharing is that covertly, the insidious, quiet stuff that my mom messages would be. 
So I learned from my dad to be a rescuer, an enabler. I learned from my mom how to be a victim. Oh, poor me. This laundry list, I'm trying to think if we even had the laundry list back in 84. There was a makeshift of some sort of a laundry list, you know, I'm not sure. And <laughs> to be honest, I never heard of Tony A until 2005, 2006. Um, in, in those days, in the good old days, I guess, we winged it. Winged it. I put together a little booklet on, I will use the AA 12 steps for ACOA. Um, I believe we may have had the um, format to how to start a meeting, I think, but there wasn't any meetings. And I found something for um, the risk taking and, and we spent time talking. So I get out of the treatment center and I said, well, there isn't any ACOA meetings and um, no, no dysfunction anymore in those days. It was strictly adult children of alcoholics. And of course, I'm in treatment, I'm going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. There wasn't any alcohol. My dad was a cop. And um, during the holidays, because he walked a beat in downtown Cleveland, the, the store guys, the store owners would give him a bottle of whiskey, something like that. And he put it away and, he, and he'd save it um, for when my brothers and I were bar mitzvah. You know, we, they had the liquor for that. So there really wasn't any alcohol. And they said, well, if you identify what some of this laundry list that we have, sort of what we have, then um, maybe you belong. How's that? Okay, okay, I can take that. I can take it because I can, I can substitute other words beside alcohol and drugs. There's something else a little bit about the history. Back in the early 80s, one of my sponsors, my first sponsor was the sponsee of somebody else who was the sponsee of somebody else. So I was sort of like the, the, the grand sponsee, I guess. In those days, Sharon Weichschotter, Janet Wodites, who wrote an excellent book called Struggle for Intimacy, and I highly, highly recommend it. Claudia Black, who I've become friends with so many years, they were the, the, the front runners of, of ACOA. So we have ACOA and these format meetings that, that Tony A and, and some of the kids in the 70s from the Alateen started. And then there's the professionalism of NACOA. In fact, their first convention was 1985. So I was pretty much spoon-fed from the Sharon Weichshatters and the Claudia Blacks and the Janet Lodites. And the woman had started um, she has since passed away, so I can say her name, Carlin, started a outpatient for inner child work, ACOA work, in Orlando. And there wasn't any meetings. It was group therapy, and there was like six of us that were going to it. I would bring this information back to my other fellowship, and they would look at me like, you know, what are you talking about? And I felt really, really alone because a lot of the stuff that I was, that had stirred up, when I was in treatment, the group therapy from Carlin was great, but I needed more. So we started a meeting, we started our own meeting. There was two other guys, those three of us, and then three women. And we talked about what was going on. 
and we worked somewhat towards the solutions of, of finding that little boy or little girl <coughs> and to learn to quiet those voices. And I've, I've shared with my story a long detail of how those voices, mostly my dad, you know, I don't call my, I, I don't call um, critical parents anymore. I've stopped doing that. I call the critical voices. I've had some unhealthy elementary school teachers. So there's besides just my parents, there are some teachers, there are some neighbors, kids in elementary school, the bullies. So all this gave me this information and that's what pertained to my false self. That's who I thought I was. Low self-worth, low self-esteem. If I become the superhero, like I did in my family, getting my trying to look for my dad's love more than my dad than my mom, um, that's the role I would play. If I was nervous, if I was scared, like in school, or the bullies would come around, I'd be the clown, the mascot. If I can make them laugh, you know, they would leave me alone. They wouldn't hurt me. I'd learn to protect myself. And, and another drug of choice that I started at a very, very small age, besides sadness, was control. If I can control my surroundings, I feel safe. If I can control the people around me, I can feel safe. So for the fear of rejection, if I can control, that's the insanity. That's the insanity. If I can control people, I'll be protected, I'll, I'll be safe. And it doesn't work that way. It just creates more insanity. So between my control and my sadness, those were my first two drug of choices. And I carry that for years. And even today, you know, my inner drugstore has these beautiful, beautiful decanters of of words on them. And, and one of them that I sometimes go into the inner drugstore is control. If I can control a person, I'll feel safe. I'll feel protected. I surround myself with my own self and I can stay in my comfort zone. So this is part of the gratitude. This is a part of the information that I've learned through the years of learning to go back to my past. And we started here in, in the Tampa Bay area probably about maybe seven, eight years ago doing step groups and and get into a step group and we've done this through the years and in fact via zoom now we have i've done step groups with people from like all over the world and it's great i, I love the step groups because i can hear various people share about say for example like on step four and one of the exercises and it'll ring a bell so i'll listen to a few other people talking i go wow that happened to me you know, do, do I deny it or did I forget about it? I don't know. It just seemed to surface. Maybe the time wasn't ready. Somebody will say something. So for me, I'm a huge believer of doing the steps over and over and over again. And especially if I'm in a group area, I love it. I've, I've been with men and women groups. I've been with men groups. And it, the all they all work, they all seem to help. And it's so important for me, for me to do, continue working and living the steps. 
And that's part of the gratitude. This is part of the gifts that I learn. So do these voices go away? Well, for the first few years, I would say out of 10, they were like an eight or a nine. They'd be quadraphonic stereo and they would really lead me. As the years have gone by, I find myself, um, if that voice does come up or the control does come up, I have the first three steps. I'm powerless over control. My love's unmanageable. Second step, please help me. Third step, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing. The other thing that, that I have found also before I go into the promises, and I love this. This is one of the special ones, and I believe it's the last exercise in step one where it gives me the opportunity of my little boy, we're talking the little seven, eight-year-old Howie, can find his own higher power. Now, in the other fellowship, was my first NA sponsor. Um, yeah, I found a higher power. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, a little people-pleasing kid coming out. You know, make sure that my sponsor doesn't yell at me or anything, and I'll be a good little boy. And I went through it, and it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. Because all these things that I'm saying, that I, my ego is going to give me a God of my understanding, yet the little kid, my ego, the adult is up here. I'm pointing to my heart over here now. This is the little boy. This is where the soul is. This is my little boy. And I had saying, you know what? This is not right. This is not right. Because there was no God where I grew up. And I saw stuff like that. There was no God. I'm also a Vietnam vet. And there was no God there either. So I get this exercise, I believe it's the last one in step one, it gives me opportunity that my little kid can pick out his own little higher power. And I loved it, I loved it. it. Doesn't have to be anybody else's, it can be whatever I want. And the other beautiful thing that I learned too is that it can change. So my first, my first impression of the higher power was a male. And what I loved about it was that his hand would be out to hold me. If I fell, very gently did he pick me up. He did total opposite of what my father would do. If I fell, my father would kick me. You dumbass, get up. This male didn't. And this is what I stayed for a while. Then it changed and it became a female, a loving female. And that has changed. So I have the opportunity to have my own higher power that loves me. Today it's not a he or she at all. It gives me the opportunity for me to be able to fall back on it. So that when I do that second step, came to believe the power greater than me, and I have that, my little boy has that higher power, can restore me to sanity. Go back a little bit. The second step in the 12th tradition has kept me in all these rooms all these years. I'll never forget the first time I saw the 12 steps at an AA meeting on, on, on the wall. And I saw that word sanity and I go, how do I get that? How do I get that? Because I didn't have that growing up and I, didn't, I did not raise my children with sanity. It was totally insane. 
what I learned as a child, I took into my family and I raised my children. I wasn't going to be like my dad. I didn't physically abuse them. I didn't sexually abuse them. I did other things. The emotional not being there or the rescuing too much and not allowing them to hit their own bottom. So as the years gone by, I learned more and more about myself and, and I learned more about how I can find my true self. And by the way, with the 12th tradition, um, I, I grew up with a father saying, do as I say, not do as I do. And when I saw that 12th tradition where it talks about principles over personality, I went, all right, man, this is cool. This is cool. Just because somebody is saying something and I know a guy's really a jerk outside the rooms, I need to listen to that message. That message, the old, don't shoot the messenger type of thing and listen to that message. I want to get back to go to the promises. Just a little bit of how they, they've incorporated my life. And when I was thinking about what am I going to talk about, then I, I, I started reminiscing that the first time I was doing the 12 steps in my, in my other fellowship. And the promises are usually normally after the ninth step. And I would cry and whine to my, my sponsor and I say, none of, these, um, spo none of these promises are coming true. What's wrong? And he said, well, what step are you on? Oh, three. Well, remember, after the ninth, ninth step, the promises start to come true. So here, the promises here, the ACE promises, we don't say it's after the ninth step. We say it's here, and, and it, can come, it can come anytime. Now, do the promises, are they consistent? I was talking to a very dear friend of mine the other day. I say, no, the promises ebb and flow, and one of the promises really ebbs and flows for me. But most of them stay pretty much centered because I've, I'm doing the work. As I read before, the gifts I've been given, the gratitude, the gifts I've been given, the ability to have a place where, where I understand, to have a place where I have people that are emotional, not all, that some people are emotionally available for me. Because I didn't, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have people that are emotionally available for me. I didn't have people that were even cared of what I had to say. It was all about them. So I have a group of fellow travelers. And this is the thing why I was mentioned before the meeting. Um, if there are live meetings started, God, I, I love it. The energy is totally different than a Zoom meeting. And I'm very grateful, very, very grateful for the Zoom meetings uh, being sheltered in place last year and even part of this year. They've been a saving grace for me. We just opened up our live meeting on Saturday morning here in St. Pete. And the room is starting to fill up and, it, and it's like wow it's like welcome home it's a party every saturday morning just to be with everybody so the first promise we will discover our real identities by loving and accepting ourselves i will discover my real identity i'm finding my true self <coughs> excuse me those deeds and creeds that i talked about that i received from whoever they're they've quieted themselves they've quieted themselves if I fall back into the laundry list, and particularly the ones that were the big guys for me were the authority figures, the criticism, and feeling guilty. And my PTSD will sometimes trigger 
um, criticism. And I'll go back to that little boy. So I have the tools to find out who I really am. And if I do go back being that little boy because I hear criticism, I've learned to have a voice. I've learned how to communicate. I've learned how to share my feelings. I've learned how to create boundaries. These are some of the gifts. This is part of this uh, real identity by, by loving and accepting ourselves. And I accept myself. And if I do trip and fall into the, to one of the laundry lists, it's okay. I, I accept myself. I share my feelings with another person. I allow my little boy to be okay and to connect with him, that he's not by himself. Number two, my, I'm going to say my, my self-esteem will increase as I give myself approval on a daily basis. I'm okay. I'm okay. I may bump my nose. I know I'm okay. Because I have a connection with my, my little boy's higher power. I have a connection with fellow travelers. I'm a huge believer of sponsors. I'm a huge, huge believer of sponsors. I need to find somebody that has worked the ACA 12 steps, is also continues going to ACA meetings. This is important for me to have a connection with another person. Fear of authority figures and the need to people please will leave me. Well, the fear of authority figures, that was a huge one for me because my dad was a cop. He was a big guy and very abusive. So anybody that was authority figures, I would tremble. <laughs> I remember one time at, at, at a meeting, it was not an ACA meeting, it was one of the other fellowship meetings, and somebody was sharing their anger. And it was okay. Not for me. Because when somebody raised their voice, i.e. my father, somebody's going to get beaten, and I'm the oldest of the three boys, and it was me. So I found my feet shuffling and looking for the door to leave. And that helped me understand that I can have some PTSD, and that's what I call it. It's, a little, it's, it's different than my Vietnam stuff, believe me. So I can go back and fall into that fear of authority figures and know that I'm okay. Because I have the tools to say, you know what? This person's not angry at me. It's not about me. It's okay. It's okay. You're okay. And I've learned that. I learned that in ACA. My ability to share intimacy will grow inside me. I mentioned before about Jana Wodites, and I met her at the first convention in 1985, and she had just written a book called Struggle for Intimacy. And for the sponsees and the step groups that I've done through the years, this is one of the books that I highly, highly, highly recommend. This was my ACA Bible. This was my ACA book. Again, there wasn't anything. And I love that book because this is something that I never knew existed. This was not a word that I grew up with. What I learned on the streets was intimacy was sex, and that was it. And in ACA, I've learned there are different forms of intimacy. 
I've learned to reach out. Um, I may have gone maybe <laughs> a little bit to the extreme. I'm a, I'm a little puppy dog, and when I meet people, I really like them, and, and, I, and I get close to them. And sometimes people get offended, sometimes they get scared. And sometimes I come across as a authority figure with the years in ACA. The word intimacy I love. And, and I'm willing to take the risk to get close to another person. Intimacy, me being me in front of you. I am willing to do that. I love intimacy. And I'm willing to take the risk that somebody will reject me. Or I, I will feel rejected. Or, or they'll leave me. And I say to myself, why do you continue wanting to be intimate with some people? You know you set yourself up, they're going to leave you. And this is the chatter. This is the chatter that society will tell. This is the chatter that some books that we will write about. And I say, no, I'm willing to take that risk. In, re in regards to rejection, this is... Um, a childhood issue. I, I've done some imago work. I'm a huge believer beside ACA and God bless ACA. I, I believe in my heart and soul of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. I also believe in therapy. And I made a pact to myself <clears throat> that if I bump my nose with something like a relationship and such or other different things that I, I will go to, into therapy, outpatient therapy. Um, actually, a few years ago, there's a place called Onsite that had an opportunity. It was a rare opportunity for me to deal with my PTSD Vietnam and my PTSD childhood stuff about five years ago. And that's where the control. People were writing, uh, uh, writing a letter to say goodbye to the drug of choice, and I wrote to, to the word control. Oh, I started to say about one of the things with rejection. I still find myself after all these years that when I get close to somebody and they're still in my life, yet they don't talk to me, I go back to that child of my mom not talking to me, my mom crying in her bedroom and closing the door and this little Howie's just standing in the hallway, mommy, what's the matter? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she wouldn't talk. And that's that emotional rejection. And guess what? <laughs> I'm my first wife, I married a woman that was like, like my mom. When she would get mad at me, she wouldn't talk to me for days. So I've, I react to that emotional rejection and it has still come up again. These issues that were eight and nine for a few years in ACA have now become a one or a two. And I will feel, I will feel that emotional rejection from a person. They're in my life, yet they choose not to talk to me. I still reach out. I still attempt to have some sort of intimacy with that person. And that little boy still finds that he needs to deal with the comfort of his higher power. I guess I'm doing okay with time. As we face the abandonment issues, I will be attracted by strengths and become more tolerant of weaknesses. Zoom meetings are really interesting for me. They really are. Um, I find my, some of my character defects of impatience and tolerance comes up at meetings, at Zoom meetings. Not in live meetings, but in Zoom meetings. 
and 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 I need to learn to be it's okay where a person's at. Not everybody gets ACA. Not everybody's willing to jump into ACA like I did. So I need to be tolerant. I, I need to have patience. There's a lot of lost children in ACA. And and I love them and I need to watch that the weaknesses doesn't have attract me to rescue them. I will feel enjoy I will enjoy feeling stable, peaceful, and financially secure. I was at a meeting the other day, oh, our last Saturday meeting in our live meeting, and I said, well, I have two out of three. That fin financially, can't really read my writing, uh, secure. I come from a father that put his wife first, his children next, and if there's anything left, maybe, maybe he'll spend something on himself. And I did the same thing. Wife came first, children came next, and whatever was left over, if there was anything left over, um, I had a hard time buying something from myself. So the financially secure still seems to have a little struggle with me. Some of these issues have been buried for such a long time that a lot of them come up just like grieving. I did a lot of heavy grieving for the first number of years, therapy steps, outside, outside therapy. And then as the years gone by, there's less and less to grieve, and yet there's still some of the grieving. So I'm constantly doing a form of grieving. Grieving, The elevator doesn't go all the way down. It may just go up maybe the first or second floor, and I can, I can work with it. It's the same thing with the financially secure. We learn how to play and have fun in our lives. I, I love the fact that these different parts of me uh, superhero, um, mascot, clown, caretaker. Uh, what am I missing? Um, the middle, the middle child syndrome, the rebellious one, and lost child. I've learned that I can go to my meetings, particularly my ACA meetings, and and I can play one of the roles if I want. With, I love that I'm not locked into one of the roles like I did for so many years as a superhero or in a crowd with people of the lost child, that I can go to my meetings and um, I can be the silly, goofy one. Sometimes on the Zoom meeting, I'm the silly, goofy one. It's the mascot, it's the clown coming out. And then I can change it and, and I can be the superhero. I can be uh, the chairperson. I can uh, put out the paperwork. I can make the coffee, I, 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 all these different things. So I've learned to be able to play different roles without getting locked into it. And that's been the ACA, that's been another gift for me where I don't have to be the superhero. I don't have to rescue meetings. I don't have to be in charge. We would choose to love people who can love and be responsible for themselves. I love everybody. There are some people that are in in, in my uh, within my circle that probably love more. I love the fact of people are willing to take the risk and come to ACA. That's a huge risk just to come to an ACA meeting. 
whether in Zoom with a video or just no video, just the ability to come to an ACA. And I've, I've learned to be there for other people. Healthy boundaries and limits will become easier for me to set. This is something that I find really interesting because as I mentioned earlier, that I feel feeling, we feel guilty when we stand up for ourselves, that I will create a boundary and be proud of myself because I verbalized it and there's still that little tiny twinge of guilt. So the guilt for me never goes away. Maybe it's Jewish guilt, I don't know, but it barely goes away. Yet I feel good about myself and because I've created a boundary. Not only have I learned to create boundaries, I have also learned to accept boundaries. A lot of these things that I'm learning about myself, I need to realize there are other people that are going to be coming into my life. So what I'm learning for myself, I, I need to be just the opposite. So as I'm creating boundaries, I'm also learning to respect other people's boundaries. Fear of failure and success will leave me. I intuitively make healthier choices. I call it my billyometer. I listen to my billyometer and my intuition. And that's, that's a whole complete other story about you know, how I, I being able to get intuitiveness. So I'm able to, not only am I able to listen to my intuition, most of the times I'm able to follow it. And that's, that's been a, a uh, it's been a, that's been a gift for me because intuitively I will know will I take that risk and follow it most of the time I do sometimes I don't and I realize okay I'm learning I'm learning I'm learning if I'm trusting my higher power and and this, my higher power is going to talk to me intuitively I can follow it and be okay With help from my ACA support, I will slowly release my dysfunctional behaviors. Just keep coming back. You know, when people say, what is the solution? Let's read the solution. How about I just say, just keep coming back. I'm a slow learner. I need to be reminded over and over again. I heard somebody say one time, you know, our brains are like Teflon pans. What we learn just slides right off it. So I need to be reminded and, and, oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that before. No, listen to it because it's going to come out a little bit differently. And, and it helps me break the dysfunctional behaviors. And if I do go back, that's why we never give out a lot of white chips because <laughs> there'd be a lot of relapses. I learned from that. I learned. It's okay. It's okay. I made a mistake. It's okay. And then 12 gradually with my higher power self, my little boy's higher power help. I will learn to expect the best and get it. Does it happen all the time? Most of the time it happens. I deserve, I deserve the best. Whatever, whatever my higher power wants to give me as my best, you know, I deserve. And um, I'm open for that. So Jen, I think I talked more than 20 minutes. Um, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I love you all. And, and again, thank you for letting me share. And thank you for the people that I know that are, came to the meeting to support me. God bless you.